We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey fam, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 23. Our guest today is a horse-crazy entrepreneur, but I love working with her because she always tells it like it is. Here to talk about her ever-evolving life as account executive at a major marketing agency, founder of Dapple Bay, and a horse mom, here's Leah Kaufman. Hello, Leah. Hey, Bethany. How's it going? Good. I'm so happy you're on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Very excited to be here. Of course. I know we do chat a lot, but it is usually about business. So I am excited to kind of dive in a little bit about you and kind of what you do and how you got to where you are today. So with that, we'll just jump right in and would love to kind of hear about, uh, the different positions you're in currently, um, what fills your day up, and um, how you kind of got to where you are today, along with your riding history, when, how you started riding, how old you were, and how that's kind of evolved as you've grown. Absolutely, yeah. So right now, I am account executive at M Agency. M Agency is a marketing firm in Tacoma, Washington, just south of Seattle. So we're kind of like the little brother city. But yeah, I've been a designer, graduated in 2008 from University of Washington with a degree in visual communication design. Um, And my career has kind of evolved from being the production person um, to the creative director lead of a team to now I really work more client facing, helping them really plan and execute their marketing in more of a hybrid account executive and business development role for the agency. Very cool. I love that. And tell me a little bit about, because I know I've been to your house. I know you have an amazing property with horses that live in your backyard. So tell me a little bit about your riding history. So I have loved horses, typical horse, crazy girl, probably like everyone that's listening <laughs> to this podcast. Um, totally. My mom was into horses. Uh, She didn't have them when I was a kid, but we had family friends that had a pony. And so every summer I would get to see Shadow. That was like the highlight of my summer um, was riding that pony. And ever since then, my mom really made it her, I don't know, like life's mission to make sure that I had horses in my life. We lived in the city and yeah, she worked really hard to make sure that I had lessons and She took me to horse shows and saved up money to buy my first off the track thoroughbred. So really without my mom, I probably wouldn't have had um, horses in my life as consistently because living in the city and then driving out, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to a riding lesson is really tough. You know, it's two parents with full-time jobs and two kids with full-time sports and everything. So really owe it to my mom for just allowing me to have horses. I was never a very competitive rider. For me, it was always uh, the relationship I had with my horse. So yeah, throughout the years, I don't think there's been six months where I didn't own a horse actually. 
but yeah, I love thoroughbreds. I was in pony club, did eventing. So, you know, if I'm going to pick a discipline, I am a eventer and I love the horsemanship that pony club teaches. So that's definitely, you know, where I'm drawn to, but yes, I have two horses at home. They're both off the track thoroughbreds. Um, my riding has kind of been derailed by a back injury along with just the process of buying a house and then fixing it up and selling it and buying a new place. So now we're kind of in this place that I feel is our like forever home. If you ever do have a forever home, but yeah, it's a really, really cool property and we're in the middle of a barn renovation project. So I think my goal is to have just a perfect, perfect Pinterest barn with my two horses. And for some reason for me, that's like the pinnacle of my existence as a horse, horse person. (laughs) I don't really care about um, riding and competing, but having just like a, I don't know, tranquil place for them um, to be is kind of my, it feels like a very, just something I'm very passionate about. Totally. And your barn is so pretty already. So I am, oh my gosh, so excited to see the finished product. It's going to be so cool. The ponies are going to love it. And I wanted to touch on something. You, um, I know that thoroughbreds have been a big part of your riding um, from when you were young until uh, the two that you have now. What was the draw to thoroughbreds? Quite honestly, I think it was what we could afford. Sure. <laughs> I think for a lot of people, and especially I was in pony club, so I needed a horse that could jump. Um, so I'm not going to be able to afford a warm blend. So we were looking at thoroughbreds, and I remember riding a little like national show horse that was for sale and in our budget, and like he was cute and safe and everything we were looking for, but for some reason I was more inclined to want the thoroughbred mare that (laughs) we drove like three hours to see her. And I just remember driving up and she was like tied to a really short tie on the side of the barn, like totally freaking out and backing up against her tie. And my mom was ready to turn around, but I was like, Oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. That's my horse. So my poor mother, (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, got this horse for me. And I love How old were you? I think I was 13. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And she was, you know, off the track and had been a broodmare. Somebody had tried to train her. And I remember I watched her go around and I think she refused every single jump once before jumping it. You're kidding. And I didn't know anything. Like I just loved that horse. And so I bought this horse that had barely any training and knew how to refuse jumps. So that was the horse that I had in Fun Club. Oh my gosh. She was really hard, but I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't have had it any other way because she taught me so much. Sure. What was your mom's experience with riding? Okay. So my mom was, um, she had a lot of sisters and she loved horses and my grandpa, bless his heart, was not a horse person, but he knew that his daughters were horse crazy. And so one day one of his patients came in and knew of a horse for sale and he bought a horse and (laughs) she was a, of course I've never met this horse. I just know her through stories, but her name was mystery and she had been a parade horse and she was a crazy saddlebred. So my mom and her sisters just got this horse and they rode her and took care of her. 
knowing really nothing, um, just learning on the fly and being supported by, you know, old wise folks at the barn. She learned on a horse that was super spooky and she's got just crazy stories about, you know, what they had to do with Miss to get her on the horse trailer. So I think that she, <laughs> I don't know if uh, she saw a lady tied to the barn and she was thinking, okay, well, I had Miss. So if Leah wants this horse, you know, she'll be fine and she'll learn a lot. Um, wow. But yeah, definitely not a traditional, like, competitive type of riding background. Sure. So you brought her to a boarding facility or the barn where you had been taking lessons? Let's see. Yes. So at the time I was actually in Pony Club on Vashon Island. Um, So we boarded her over on Vashon. Vashon's a really cool island. You can take a ferry from Seattle and be there in about the same time as it takes to drive out to the suburbs. Um, to ride. So at the time, that's where we were riding and kept the horse and pretty cool because you can just get on the ferry and you go from city to rural, beautiful countryside. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And you worked with that horse for a while. And obviously I've had an off the track thoroughbred chestnut mayor. So I understand (laughs) the process and this at times struggle, but um, they have so much heart and it's, I am so happy that I had the opportunity to uh, love a thoroughbred because I think it's a really special bond and a special opportunity. So that's awesome. And uh, so now you have your two boys and they are living at home and so as you are kind of transitioning a little bit, hopefully getting back in the saddle consistently soon with your new property, tell me a little bit about your life outside of riding and outside of um, agency, because I know a big aspect of it is your business or your brand, Dapple Bay, that you're a founder of. So tell me a little bit about Dapple Bay and how that started. Yeah, so Dapple Bay was actually inspired by the mare that I'm talking about, Lady, because she was a Dapple Bay. I have always been, you know, creative and making things my entire life. So Dapple Bay actually started as an Etsy store where I was selling earrings and some photography. I had gotten into photography in um, in college, actually, because my senior capstone project was a book uh, that I I photographed uh, rescue horses. So yeah, Dapple Bay has really always been the creative outlet for me. Kind of started as a morphed business where I was doing the jewelry and some painting and some photography and has always just been a place where um, I can just be creative. Since I was a little kid, I actually had a craft fair booth every summer. So I've always been into the idea of selling my work um, and having that platform. So yeah, Dapple Bay started as that. Um, I didn't start the brand as you see it today until I moved to Georgia. So my then boyfriend, now husband, his job transferred down to the middle of nowhere in Georgia. And I was young and thought it would be fun to move across the country. So I did, brought my horse pie And yeah, I didn't know anyone, didn't know any horse people, didn't have any friends. So it was a time in my life that was really interesting. 
but I was doing a lot of freelance design for clients back in Washington. So the first design that I did was just something I put together. I wanted some cute riding t-shirts and I couldn't find anything that had a fun graphic as well as a shirt that was actually fitted and not like a big boxy shirt. So I designed the Live Free Jump XC, posted it on my Facebook. It got shared a bunch of times and I realized, okay, there's an idea here. So I found a local print shop, made some shirts, made a couple more designs, and I started going to horse shows around the Southeast um, with my little Dapple Bay booth. And yeah, that was super fun. I got to know the local horse scene. And that's honestly how I started meeting people in Georgia. So that's really the heart of the brand. And when it became a business, I would say, is when I was you know, doing the horse shows and I built my website and started selling the t-shirts. Um, I added phone cases and yeah, that was back in 2011. Wow. So throughout this time, I mean, today with Dapple Bay, I feel like I mean, besides obvious growth, what has it now become? Because I feel like there's more of a custom aspect to Dapple Bay now, and it's kind of morphing into something a little bit different. And what are your uh, upcoming goals and kind of the current mission of Dapple Bay? Yeah, so as my design career has really evolved, I'm at this point now where I'm in more of a leadership role at the agency instead of um, really the key production lead. So anyone who's a creative knows that it's just a grind to be the idea generator. And after 10 years of essentially just being the one who's coming up with creative concepts all the time, I I just felt so exhausted and couldn't really inject the energy into you know, my Dapple Bay brand as I wanted. So the brand itself has kind of evolved as I have shifted. So now that I'm in this new role, it truly feels like I'm able to be more creative and spend more time on the marketing and on the designs themselves. So I'm kind of excited for this new chapter. I just added some logo design options back into Dapple Bay that used to be a big part of what I did was freelance design and I would always try to do equestrian work just to make sure that I was always doing something horsey. It's always been important to me. So yeah, it's definitely evolving more into being more custom. I added a a service to where if you have a logo or if I design a logo, I can create a stable shop is what I'm calling it where you can essentially pick what types of items you'd like with your logo and you have a custom store with a custom URL and password where you can essentially shop your personal storefront. Amazing. That's a great service that I feel like people are always wanting to start um, and have available on their platforms, but don't have the knowledge or expertise to make that happen. So the fact that you're kind of a one-stop shop from original concept and design to a full-on shop that's ready to go for people is uh, pretty unique in this space, especially. Thank you. Yeah. I just, I feel like I have uh, more space now where I can bring some of these things to life. Definitely an ideas person. And I swear if I did not have 
a nine to five that required my energy, I would just have like 10 businesses and totally. be a crazy multi-passionate entrepreneur. <laughs> so thank goodness I work for a living and I get to just be creative for clients. But yeah, this has been an idea that's just been in the back of my brain for a while. So it's fun to bring it forward. Hey guys, interrupting you really quick to remind you, my favorite time of the year, Black Friday is fast approaching. Each year I come up with a free online holiday lookbook that goes over all of the big deals in the equestrian industry, as well as staying up to date on the fashion trends. So head over to myequestrianstyle.com slash lookbook to sign up for early access so that as soon as the lookbook comes out, you'll be the first to know. All right, that wasn't so bad, was it? Let's get back to the episode. And do you feel like this is something that you would, in an ideal world, make your full-time career or are you wanting to continue to be working with an agency or having a nine to five with this as kind of supplemental? Um, Because I know for me, I love my equestrian style and the equestrian podcast and it's a creative outlet that I need in my life like you do too with Apple Bay. But I love my job as a trainer and would always, I would hate to not have that. So it's a little different than I think most entrepreneurs who are always striving to ditch the nine to five and do their creative uh, job all the time. Where are you at in that? Are you wanting to make this uh, kind of a full-time endeavor? You know, it's a good, really good question. I think in the past, I really wanted to make it a full-time endeavor. I've had a lot of attempts at being full freelance and Dapple Bay and, you know, Dapple Bay was actually my main source of income at a few points, but it just puts so much pressure on the business. And to be honest, Bethany, it's really having horses is expensive. Buying horse property is expensive. And to put that kind of pressure on the business that was actually a creative outlet, it was really tough for me uh, Mm -hmm. to balance and make good decisions because I want it to be fun. I want to only go to the horse shows and sell that I want to go to. I didn't really enjoy doing wholesale. There's parts of it that I hated. I hated having thousands of t-shirts in my house that I had to package and fold. Um, So I think the realities of having a business that was a full-time income in my house, it just really didn't align. Um, So I feel like I tried it. And for me, uh, having this job where it's something that I love, not necessarily related to horses, but it's kind of cool because we have a meeting in a couple weeks with a local racetrack. We built a brand and a website for an equine biosciences company. So there are little ways that I get to work within the equestrian industry in my job at M. But to be really honest, this lifestyle that I'm drawn to costs a lot of money. And in order to make it work and have that dream barn for my horses, be something that, you know, I'm accomplishing at, you know, before age 35, I've got to do, I've got to do more than just my, you know, passion project. Totally. Yeah. That makes sense. It's kind of all about what your goals are and 
how you're willing to live or what, what is good enough and what is your, your kind of zone of comfort for living. Because my husband and I talk about this all the time. Ethan's in finance. So he's constantly thinking about that. Um, He's like, I could retire by 35 and we'd be just fine. We wouldn't be living off of much, but we would be retired. And so, you know, it's finding that zone where it's like, well, would we have money to travel and do fun things? Or would we just be sitting at home staring at each other? (laughs) Obviously (laughs) not my personality where I want to have, you know me, and I'm a lot like you in that way where want to have 7 million things going at once. But yeah, it's kind of about anyone listening to this podcast who has any involvement in horses knows that it is by far one of the most expensive hobbies, sport, lifestyle, however you want to put it, that you can possibly do. Especially you being on the West Coast, I feel like that elevates the cost um, a lot. And um, you just kind of have to weigh out what you're willing to do to make that feasible. For some, they are able to work, you know, directly in the industry, like myself, where I don't have to own a horse right now. I can ride client horses and it works out just fine. But what what kind of advice would you have for the individual who is listening to this episode? She has a horse and rides. She works a nine to five in an office and she is wanting a creative outlet, not really quite sure what to do, but she wants to start her own business within the equestrian space. What would be some advice that you'd have for her? So I think that there is this idea that there is a ton of money in (laughs) equestrian side hustles. Because everybody wants to make money to help pay for their horses. And, you know, what better way than to combine your love of horses um, with something that you could potentially earn an income from? I, I think it's a very appealing idea. But at the end of the day, I would say that you just need to find whatever job you can where you can be effective, make a good income. And then have the time and the space in your life to enjoy horses. That might mean that you have a side hustle. Maybe you're an amazing photographer. Maybe you start shooting senior portraits for girls with horses. And that brings in enough income that you can do the four horse shows that you want to do next summer. Like that's an example of an equestrian related side hustle. But you know, a lot of people start uh, little t-shirt companies. It's pretty easy these days to get a subscription to Shopify, add a fulfillment app and some designs. So I see little new companies coming up all the time. Um, and I would just warn people that it's not an easy way to make money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just take it from me. It's um, not an easy way to make money. So if you are thinking about doing something like that, send me an email and I'm happy to just give you my experience because I don't want to see people getting burned out. I just want to point people in the right direction, if you will. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's really great advice and and not advice we hear all the time, especially for people within the industry to just go out and find something question related and go after it. It's uh, what is it now? I mean, it's in the billions for the industry. So it's a, it's a big industry that's not 
all the way tapped into, in my opinion. But that does not mean that any type of you know, small business you open up is going to be successful and it takes a ton of work. It takes a really good idea. And even then it might not be successful. So finding, I think, I think your advice of a balance of finding a job that you, you enjoy that makes the financial aspect where it's easy enough for you to be able to make riding feasible and then have the, I guess, the ability to open up, you know, like a a side hustle or or, or have something where you can really uh, use your creativity and and create something, but it's not uh, where you have to put all of your burden of having to bring home the bacon. So I think that that's a really, really good and unique and not always heard advice. So I appreciate your honesty with that. And you have a lot of experience in that, in that area of kind of a trial and error of what has worked and what hasn't worked to kind of get you to where you are now. So I think that that's not failures at all because it's gotten you to a place where you are happy and it's paying off. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, I just, I honestly feel like it's trendy right now for, to open up a business or to try to monetize your passion. Mm -hmm. And while like empowering women in business is amazing, there are some startling statistics about how many women started businesses fail within the first, first year. And so, you know, there's so much emotion wrapped up in to, to having this business. And I just think that it needs to be balanced by sound, rational logic. Um, I also don't subscribe to the whole hustle harder mentality that seems right. trending right now. It's one highway straight to burnout. And I've been there too. <laughs> so a lot of this is, you know, my own experience. I know that I never, ever would have listened to someone like me. I would have been like, oh, that lady is dumb. She probably just didn't have very good ideas and she didn't know how to prioritize or work hard. And that's why she's saying all this. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure that a lot of equestrians will have to learn the same way I did, but (laughs) sure. Yeah. And it's so true with any industry, there is a difference between a project and something that you enjoy or a passion project as people call it and a business. And at the end of the day, a business is a business is a business. And whether it is selling bedding or selling photography services, it is a very similar business process. And you being a part of an agency know that um, you kind of can customize it for whichever brand, but at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of the same deal. And so, um, it doesn't, it doesn't as much, uh, matter or, or if, if you are wanting to change your passion project into a business, these are definitely some, I guess, cautionary tips that you are giving that, that you just have to be mindful of, you know? Totally. Yeah. I just kind of want to share my experience. So maybe I can help someone channel that energy because it's just, it's easy to get demoralized, I think. And there's so much comparisonitis, especially, you know, on Instagram, it's it's easy to assume that someone else has this dream life and they're paying for it 
with their equestrian side hustle. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm just here to tell you that I'm not, there was only one part of my life where I was, and I was actually pretty miserable because I hated folding t-shirts. So (laughs) if that helps anyone. Well, and because it went to full time, it then became your business and not your passion project, which is what you were referring to earlier. Yeah. And a very poorly run business because I would just, I was free in some sense, but I would just go ride my horse and I would just take riding lessons all the time and like go to clinics. And, you know, I was, I think I was 24 and just wanted to have fun and be creative and make money. Sounds like a great job. (laughs) (laughs) So in theory, it was fun, but you know, the reality of it was that I'm better suited to use my ideas to help businesses and have my business kind of be my own creative outlet that isn't stressed by needing to pay for this, you know, farm that I want to have and the 12 horse blankets that I just got repaired and waterproofed. They cost $400. Right. (laughs) This sport is just expensive all around. It's so true. But at the same time, this isn't us telling anyone don't start an equestrian career or project because here we are making money doing equestrian related side hustles. But yeah, I think these tips were extremely important to verbalize. So I appreciate that. And on the kind of similar note, um, I always ask guests to expand upon areas of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like that that needs some light shed on it, or you feel like uh, people don't talk much about? Yeah. So I just, I've actually kind of been inspired by this new horse girl energy idea. Like it kind of makes me giggle to think about it, but I just visualize myself running around the playground, pretending that I was a horse and hundred percent. Yeah. Like giving zero, I don't know if you, I can swear on this podcast, but giving zero F's about it. <laughs> And that sort of irreverence, I think, is what unites horse girls is just this like unabashed love. And I don't know if you even want to call it an obsession, because for me, I wouldn't say I was obsessed with horses. Mm -hmm. I just decided early on that horses were a part of my life and they were really important to me. They have been so important getting me through a lot of the hard points in my life. Like I remember... There were a couple years where I lived at the barn and all my friends in high school thought I was nuts because I wasn't hanging out with them after school. I would go straight to the barn. I don't know. It kind of sounds like you were horse obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure my friends were tired of me talking about my horses, the friends that I was lucky to still have, but they've taught me so much, you know, just the horses don't judge us. They just accept us where we are. And I think that that is the biggest, the biggest lesson that, and like moving forward, that just like moving forward is the answer to any problem, just that trust. And I think all of us horse girls know that. And no matter if we're a competitive rider or we just have horses at home, we kind of all share that just deep internal knowledge that our horses make us better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, that is the that is the true horse girl energy. That is the horse girl energy that is going to make those podcast listeners think I'm crazy to tell them not to start their horsey side hustle of their dreams. (laughs) They're like, 
she doesn't know I know best. And that is what I love. Yeah. I love that. That is so cool. And so true. Amazing. Well, Leah, thank you so much for being on the podcast and and shedding some unique light on the equestrian industry that we live in today. So I just appreciate everything you do for me, for my equestrian style and what you do with Dapple Bay within the industry. So I, as always, wish you the very best. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.